0: Hello and welcome to this podcast on Deferred Tax with uh, me, Phil Frost. There's three things I'd just like to address in this podcast. Uh, The first being the impact on corporation tax rates from the Finance Act of 2021. Secondly, also from the Finance Act of 2021, the super deduction. And thirdly, uh, an issue that is uh, uh, rearing its head, particularly at the moment, is with deferred tax assets. But where I'd like to start is with the Financial Reporting Council's reviews. Now, they did um, that annual review of corporate reporting and deferred tax, along with taxes in general, uh, has actually risen up the list of areas of problems. Uh, It's actually gone from being outside the top 10 to last year, uh, ninth equal, and in this most recent year, uh, into third place. So it's clearly an area that the Financial Reporting Council are identifying uh, there is an issue with. Uh, Following on from their annual review of corporate reporting, in the autumn of last year, uh, the Financial Reporting Council issued a um, thematic review specifically on deferred tax assets, which we'll come to as the third thing that I'm going to address. Now, out of the annual review of corporate reporting, there were really three things that the Fires Reporting Council uh, identified. Uh, first of all being the recoverability of deferred tax assets where there has been a history of losses. Secondly, where there's uh, inadequate uh, reconciliations either done per se or indeed actually disclosed and also a lack of other disclosures. So. Clearly, it is an issue. It's come from uh, nowhere to ninth equal to third place over the last three years in terms of there being problems in accounts, hence as... uh, having a look at this. Now, of course, deferred tax is only an issue under UK GAAP in EFRIS 102, uh, whether that be FRS 102 1A for small, or indeed full EFRIS 102 for medium and large. There's no requirement at all to provide for deferred tax. In fact, there's no you cannot provide for de- deferred tax if you're following EFRIS 105 for <coughs> micro-sized entities. Clearly, if somebody did want to provide for deferred tax, they would have to move to EFRIS 102. But the first area really to address in terms of deferred tax, and this would have an impact whether it be UK GAAP under reference 102, or indeed in terms of international accounting standards, should you be following that. The first area, of course, is that uh, in the Finance Act of 2021, the rates of corporation tax were increased. We'd had 19% corporation tax for for many years, and in the Finance Act of 2021, which received royal assent on the 24th of May 2021, it had been announced in the budget of 2021, then went into the finance bill, Uh, but the main rate of corporation tax would go up to 25%, albeit the uh, small companies' rate would remain at 19%. And of course, where the main rate is at uh, 25%, uh, that's where the profits for the entity are over £250,000, whereas for um, the 19% is is if your profits are below £50,000. In between, your profits will be, of course, taxed at 25% with marginal uh, relief. But in essence, what it really means is that uh, the first £50,000 would be taxed at that's the effect of it, the first 50,000 would be taxed at 19%, and then in essence, a marginal rate of 26.5%, so that by the time we get to the upper threshold of £250,000, all of the profits are being taxed at uh, 25%. Now, that came in in the Finance Act of 2021, and then in 2022, when we had various prime ministers and various chancellors of the Exchequer, and in the autumn in September, uh, we went from Boris Johnson to Liz Truss, uh, uh, and then on, on from that to Rishi Sunak, uh, there was, of course, uh, uh, the point where it was, oh, are we going to unravel this? We are going to unravel this. But we didn't do that. Um, it stayed. Uh, Jeremy Hunt confirmed as Chancellor that he was uh, sticking with the 25% main rate. Now, just a point about the the upper and the lower thresholds to 50, and 50,000. The upper threshold of 250,000, the lower threshold of 50,000, that's for a standalone company. Uh, if there's... Um, associated companies, associated either uh, within a group, parent and a trading subsidiaries, or an individual with a number of companies, uh, then the upper and lower thresholds get divided up. It's really a bit of anti-avoidance legislation. Now, what that, of course, has meant is that when we're looking at the provisions for deferred tax, we need to establish what is the appropriate rate to be using. Now, some of you might still be dealing with September 22, December 22 year ends, and there may be some timing differences that are going to reverse before the 1st of April 2023, which is when the change in rates takes place. So, anything that was pre-1st of April 2023, the timing differences would be at 19%, irrespective of the size of the profits. But if the timing difference is going to reverse after 1st of April 2023, then we need to establish, are we at 25% profits being above the upper threshold? Are we at to 19% profits being below the the lower threshold? Are all those profits in between where, as I say, you've got that effective marginal rate of Uh, 26.5%. Rolling, of course, on to 31st of March 2023, year ends uh we will be just looking at the appropriate rate dependent on the uh, on the profits uh <clears throat> that we're anticipating happening in that uh, in that future <clears throat> in that future period so uh December 22, September 22 year end, if you're still de- dealing with those, those timing differences might still be at the 19%, where the reversal of the depreciation and capital allowances, or indeed maybe even a disposal of a revalued asset was gonna be happening before the 1st of April, always at 19%. Thereafter, um, you'd need to work out what's the likely profits going to be. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's what we need to make sure that we are doing, um, <clears throat> whether it be, as I say, the uh, The differences between depreciation and capital allowances, uh, whether it be your deferred tax asset, maybe because you've got losses, uh, maybe because you've uh, uh, also done a revaluation, variety of things uh, happening there. That's the first area to address. The second uh, area to address is in relation to... uh, again the finance act of 2021 which introduced this super deduction now the super deduction uh, allows for uh, expenditure on <clears throat> relevant plant machinery expenditure that in addition to getting a 100% first year allowance there would be an extra 30% super deduction so let somebody somebody spends 50000 uh, pounds acquiring an asset they wouldn't just get 50,000 pounds first year allowance, they'll get the extra 30, 30% on top of that, an extra 15,000, so 65, uh, 65% uh, in total. Now, in terms of calculating deferred tax, it's the 100%, which is the timing difference. The 30% is a, is, generally speaking, regarded as a permanent difference. So it would be, what's the depreciation? If it was that £50,000 that we'd spent, what's the depreciation on that? What's the... 100% first year allowance, work out the timing difference on that. That extra 30% is regarded as a permanent difference, does not come into your deferred tax calculations. Now, I say generally speaking, that's the case. There is a bit of anti-avoidance legislation, uh, which in essence says that if you were to buy that asset and then sell it very quickly, such that you, let's say, you get the uh, 65,000 allowance, but you then sell it very quickly and say, I've just bought this for £50,000. I'm going to uh, Get my sixty-five thousand pound allowance. Thank you very much indeed. And then I'll, having got that, I'll I'll sell it pretty much straight away. 50000 pounds, which has been great because I've got that extra thirty uh, percent. What, <coughs> what? Um, you wouldn't actually just simply get that thirty percent. It would be in essence clawed back. So to say, anti avoidance legislation uh, to make sure that um, you would actually gross up your sale proceeds to uh, <coughs> to match against the grossed up amount that you've been given in terms of the capital allowance together with the super deduction. But the vast majority of people, you know, ninety-nine point nine 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 percent of people will be spending this money uh, where it's appropriate and relevant in terms of plant machinery and getting the extra thirty percent, and there would be no thought in their mind uh, that they would uh, want to be uh, using it simply as a tax tool. So that's the second area. Third area, really, to to consider in relation to this is in relation to deferred tax assets. Now we can only recover losses, we can only recognise deferred tax assets and only therefore think about the the losses where the asset is capable of recovery. And if we were to delve into FRS 102, similar wording in uh, in International Accounting Standards, but if we were to delve into uh, FRS 102, we talk about deferred tax assets can only be recognised to the extent that it's probable that they will be recovered with deferred tax liabilities um we are so much more prudent in relation to those um well we are we are prudent in terms of saying well is there is there is there a chance that there's a deferred tax liability we'll bring those in but i suppose we're also being prudent as far as the asset is concerned by saying but only if it's probable that we will be able to recover that so yeah we've had losses and having had losses uh, where are we in relation to um, uh, to those losses um, is it recurring losses year in, year out? So if we've had losses for the last five years, is it really likely to be the case that in the next 12 months we will have sufficient profits uh, to get the uh, get the tax relieved with the losses that have been carried forward? Possibly, possibly that might be the case, but is it probable? Probably not uh, is the case. So look at it very, very carefully. Could of course be that you've got a loss uh, as a one-off and you know we're gonna be returning to profitability. So a lot of attention needs to be considered in relation to the deferred tax asset. Is it recoverable? Is it probable? Deferred tax liabilities, yeah, there is the liability, whether that could be, you know, the, the, the deferred tax liability may be, uh, not going to occur for four, five, six, maybe even 10 years. You know, if you've done a revaluation of an asset, revaluation of the asset, yes, thank you very much, we've increased the value of the asset, uh, we've got the reserves sitting there with the revaluation reserve, but at some point we will have to pay some tax on that, and therefore, even if that is five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years' time, we will have the deferred tax liability, whereas with the losses being carried forward, maybe that we're not going to be returning to profitability for three or four years, Uh, so even though there might be some profits down the line, we won't be recognising the deferred tax asset. Be prudent, think about it in terms of prudence, recoverability, and probability. Goes back to basics, does it not, in terms of only recognising assets in the balance sheet where you've actually got an asset, where it is indeed recoverable. That's with the deferred tax and deferred tax assets. Um, that was, of course, picked up uh, with that thematic review that I mentioned just at the start there. Uh, there was a thematic review that was published in September uh, of, of last year. And uh, specifically in relation to that, um, what um, what the Financial Reporting Council uh, were, were picked up was that companies need to make sure that they've got convincing evidence. Be specific specific. Um, they identified that there were far too many boilerplate uh, disclosures. They said that better better disclosures referred either to specific improvements in profitability expected to occur in the forecast period or that the loss had indeed been a one-off event and we would be going back to profitability. They also identified that there was minimal disclosure of the specific nature of the key judgments and estimates, and of course, looking at estimation uncertainty, uh, particularly in relation to deferred tax assets, of course. Very few companies, uh, they said, disclosed any sensitivity analysis surrounding the the deferred tax asset. And so, of course, really what they're looking for is uh, transparency, uh, with the transparency, what is the period of recoverability? You know, we're really looking for it to be in the next accounting period in the vast majority of instances, and also what they're looking for and we should be putting in there, but what, we, what, uh, what we're what what we looking for is to say, when we're looking at these forecasts, when we're looking at these projections to identify that there will be profits next year that these losses uh, can be set off against to create the deferred tax asset, that those profits that you're identifying in future periods, that that actually dovetails with the disclosures that you're making in relation to going concern, but also uh, the disclosures that you might have in the strategic report in terms of principal risks and uncertainties. So there we are, a bit of a reminder as far as deferred tax is concerned. The Finance Act of 2021 bringing in those new rates, we need to consider. The Finance Act also of 2021 bringing in those super deductions and also being, uh, being careful, being wary, being careful, cautious in terms of the recoverability of deferred tax assets. So, I hope that's been useful, interesting, relevant for you as far as uh, deferred taxes concerned. Look forward to being with you again on a subsequent uh, on a subsequent podcast. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the Mercia Podcast. For more information on this topic, please visit mercia-group.com.